Hey, cassettes, and welcome back to the BCD. We're three old friends learning everything we can about movies and TV, and hopefully teaching you in the process. I'm Marcy. I'm Robin. And I'm Adam. Hey. Hello, hey. hello, everybody. Well, happy anniversary, cassettes. <gasps> Two years ago today, Jeez, we released our first episode Yay. about the various versions of a Christmas Carol. Welcome. Thank you for joining us for our Christmas episode of the Black Case Diaries. I'm Robin. I'm here with Adam and, and Marcy. Oh my gosh, you guys remember that episode? The audio was quality not... was so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one mic sitting in the middle of the room, that we, was just the best We weren't even in like a small room. We were in the middle of my apartment, like a big area. So, yeah, things were different back then in podcasting and in life. Mm -hmm. Our only goal back then was to make each episode better than the last. And we still strive for that, putting as much work into the show as our schedules will allow. We love podcasting, and we're incredibly blessed to have listeners like you. We're going to start this episode by thanking our patrons. Thank you, Joel, Anthony, Jacqueline, Shelley, Linda, John, Jacob, and our newest patron, Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yay! <laughs> Yay! His name is my name. <laughs> but just kidding. It's our longtime listener and pal, JD. Yay! I feel like this is the beginning of Arthur. PBS yeah. was made possible <laughs> yeah. with contributions, <laughs> contributions by viewers like you. Thank you. So we're closing out the month with an exciting episode about one of the biggest pieces of the Christmas season, Christmas music. It's no secret that we're big fans of music. And Christmas is a season with its own soundtrack. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose, Yuletide carols being sung by a choir, and Bing Crosby, and Mariah Carey, and literally every artist ever. <laughs> yes, these are the signs that it's Christmas. <laughs> like when Michael Buble steps out of his cave. Yes, out of his month. cryogenic chamber. <laughs> <laughs> there are thousands of Christmas songs, but every year we tend to hear the same few, covered by different artists. Some of these compositions were written specifically for the screen and made such an impact on audiences that they became instant Christmas classics. So today we are taking a look at the film and TV origins of popular Christmas songs. Yay! We will also refrain from talking about Frosty the Snowman, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and any song from the Muppet Christmas Carol since we've already talked about the origins this season. There are some songs in this list that I will admit are not very popular. People might not have heard them before, but we added some songs to the list that we love and that we just wanted people to know about. So I actually created a yeah. YouTube playlist that accompanies this episode. And I added them in the order that we're going to talk about the songs. So if you wanted to pull that up and listen to some songs before you, the episode, during the episode, but we're going to link to it so that way you can listen along if you want. Christmas carols have always been about the people singing them. Although Christmas theme music dates back to the 4th century, Christmas songs were often considered inappropriate within the walls of churches and cathedrals and were a tradition of the streets. 
When Oliver Cromwell ruled as Lord Protector over England, Ireland, and Scotland, he banned Christmas carols. Can you believe this guy? Oh, yeah. No. Even today, many Christmas carols are not performed during Christian services, but it's generally up to the leader of each church in terms of which songs may be sung. It's tough to determine the first Christmas carol. One of the oldest still sung today is The Friendly Beasts, a French song that dates back to the 12th century. The oldest, most popular English song is likely God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, from the 16th century, though it seems to go the lyrics came almost 200 years later. That's pretty great. Usually, yeah, the melody came from so much longer ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but today we're not going that far back. No. We made a list of some of the songs that we hear the most around the holidays, some suggested to us by our friends and listeners, and some we just can't get out of our heads. We're talking about them in age order, and if we forgot one that you love, let us know. We'd love to do this again, maybe. Yes. This list is a lot of popular with some obscure. Right. So it's a, it's a little mix of both. So the first song on our list is White Christmas, first featured in the film Holiday Inn in 1942. So that's as far back as we're going, 1942. <laughs> <laughs> on December 25th, 1941, just weeks after the attack at Pearl Harbor, Bing Crosby debuted this song, White Christmas, during the Kraft Music Hall radio show. The song was written by Irving Berlin originally for a musical that became the movie Holiday Inn, starring Bing Crosby and Fred Astaire. The film also featured very popular songs like Happy Holiday and Easter Parade. But no songs compared to the sheer popularity of White Christmas. It's actually crazy that a movie had songs that popular, three of them, in one movie. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We all all know those songs, right? The film follows two men, a dancer and a singer, trying to win the affections of a beautiful woman. It takes place at an inn that's only open on holidays. Sounds like a fun what? place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go there. I'd actually love that. I'd love to spend a holiday the... in a hotel with my friends and family. Wouldn't that be cool? That, be sweet. It that would, would be, be interesting, cool. yeah. Yeah. The song, like many Christmas songs in the list, has a certain melancholy nature. That is a common theme you will hear throughout this episode. A lot of these songs are sad. Oh, yes. oh. Yeah. Christmas is not a happy time for everyone. Irving Berlin didn't actually celebrate Christmas, as he was Jewish. But on Christmas Day in 1928, he and his wife lost their three-week-old son. Every oh. year, they would visit their son's grave on Christmas Day. In 1941, Man. just as America was entering World War II, this song was exactly what the nation needed to hear. It was sad and longing, with hints of wonder and magic that make Christmas special. White Christmas not only won an Oscar, it's the best-selling single ever, with over 50 million copies sold. Wow. My goodness. Yes. That's why you still hear it in Walmart today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I mean, I guess thinking about it, I'm not surprised that a Christmas song is that gets that title yeah it's redone by everyone Mm -hmm. and heard every year so you know you can't question that it's the best selling right yeah and and it got its own movie years later white christmas right obviously features the song white christmas (laughs) (laughs) what if it didn't (laughs) (laughs) and I, i would actually go on to say that 
Holiday Inn has more memorable songs in it than the movie White Christmas does. But yeah. White Christmas is definitely the more popular movie. It's interesting how that how that works. <laughs> I I've always liked this song. It's been one of the tolerable Christmas songs for me. <laughs> you know, there are some that you just everyone has a few that they just don't really like hearing. Yeah. But um but I always enjoy this one and it was it was cool to see this version of it because it was a lot more simple, right? Mm. He's just playing the piano. He's like, wow, I just wrote this. <laughs> so, and then just a little bit of a duet and some some bells and whistling. And it's, it's, it's a lot more simple than it is nowadays with a whole band or whatever it might be. Yeah. And I, and I think it really works. I really like it that way. Yeah, it's really intimate. Right. It kind yeah. of feels like he's singing to you. Just you. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. not the beautiful lady sitting next to him. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you're right. If there's a reason why every artist covers a Christmas song, it's because if you have a Christmas hit, it's going to come back every Christmas. You know, you right. imagine having a yeah. guaranteed song that people are going to listen to at least once a year. That's kind of the dream. And Bing Crosby was the king of Christmas. This man, yeah. he sang a Christmas song and it was a hit. <laughs> just kind of how it worked (laughs) every time so the next song on our list that we wanted to talk about today was have yourself a merry little christmas from meet me in st louis in 1944 so this is only a couple years later this christmas classic was written by hugh martin and ralph blaine a songwriting team for mgm that had written for other broadway musicals and films meet me in st louis is a musical drama that follows a family at the turn of the century the main conflict of the film is that a family must move away from their beloved city and miss the St. Louis Fair. I'm taking everything. Of course you are. I'll help you pack them myself. You don't have to leave anything behind. Except your snow people, of course. <laughs> In an interview, Martin explained that he found the melody first which was a magical style, meaning that it would benefit from using multiple voices and few to no instruments. Obviously, that's not the song that we're used to listening to. After trying to make the melody work for a while, he ended up throwing it out. Luckily, Blaine had heard it and said it was too good to give up, so they fished it out of the trash and wrote something magical together. Wow, man. So close. Yes. (laughs) They said they were lucky it was still in the wastebasket, because if it wasn't, we wouldn't have this song. (laughs) Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> Think of all the art that's been thrown away. Ugh. Oh, man. Ugh. The first draft, however, was too sad, and Judy Garland had asked for a rewrite, which became the song we know. Nice. Get ready for some of these original lyrics, folks. They are, buckle up, they are rough. <laughs> some, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Some of the original lyrics were, have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be your last. Next year, we may all be living in the past. And another line said, Faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us no more. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Judy, Judy Garland on. had reportedly said, if I sing this song, the little girl will cry and people will think I'm a monster. And she was oh, yeah. right. She was absolutely, she was correct. That's way too sad. The scene of the film is sad, and a sad song would have been effective, but not as effective as a happy one. This way, the character is singing through the tears, the way many of us often do. So the scene is much more effective because she is obviously sad, and they are dealing with a sad situation, but she's singing a happy song. 
She's trying to make it. She's trying to stay positive. Yeah. Right. When Judy refused to sing the original, Hugh Martin just told her that he was sorry, but that it was what it was. (laughs) 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 It was another actor named Tom Drake that pulled him aside and convinced Martin to rewrite the lyrics. Oh, my God. Judy Garland (sighs) told him to do it, and he was like, no. Wow. Wow. The song owes its popularity to the everlasting appeal of Judy Garland, as well as its relatability. In a world of songs that tell us that Christmas will make us happy, this song tells us that we need to allow ourselves to be happy at Christmas, that it won't just happen for us. And even though the song is a pep talk, telling us that we can make it through, no matter how bad things get, it's still sad. And in that way, it reminds us that it's okay to not be happy at Christmas, no matter how you think you have to feel. The melancholy tune has been covered by countless artists like Bing Crosby, Bob Dylan, and Sam Smith. If you listen closely, you'll notice that some versions have changed lyrics. Frank Sinatra asked for a rewrite when he covered the song, and his version has now become the standard cover. Originally, the song has the line, Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. Thanks to Frank, today's versions replace that line with, Hang a shining star upon the highest bough. It, it's yeah. a little, it's it's jollier, and that's mm-hmm. why he wanted it to be changed. And it's that's the one you'll hear more. I definitely prefer the Judy Garland version. I prefer the muddle through yeah. line because it's so realistic. You know, <laughs> it's still it's right. still kind of like that pep talk. Hey, right now we're just gonna have to soldier through this, but let's be as happy as we can. Let's let's do our best, you know, and that that's yep. what the song is, and I love that. <laughs> but I mean, it's fine. So. Yeah, I I think it actually lends itself better to you know being a a Christmas song that's different. Yeah, right. Most Christmas songs nowadays are very jingly, jangly, upbeat kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. But it's nice to have one that's a little bit like, hey, Christmas isn't always perfect. Yeah. But we still we still enjoy the holiday or we make the best of it. Exactly. Because that's true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I think it really comes through in this song, and especially in the video. Yeah. Of her singing in the windowsill. And it's, you know, both of them are on the verge of crying, it seems. But yeah. they're able to uh, keep it together. Her version makes me cry every time. <laughs> But in a good way. I like being sad. Yes. I like crying. It It's healing to me. So. Yeah. I think it's a little bit more. I I don't think over the top is the right way to say it. But this the actual singing of it is a lot more into it. A lot more, I guess, soulful. Yeah. Right? Hmm. Whereas, um, you know, she holds the notes longer and things like that. Whereas in all the other versions of it you know, trying to make it happier. So it's it doesn't have the same feel to it in terms of the actual singing too. So it's it it's really nice. Yeah. So next we have Baby It's Cold Outside from Neptune's Daughter from nineteen forty nine. This song was written by Frank Lesser in nineteen forty four as a fun number to say goodbye to their party guests. So in a way, it was not to ask those to stay, but to kick them out. Yeah, him and his wife, Lynn Garland, would do it together at their parties. Oh. I've heard that it's still performed at parties sometimes. People will still sing uh, this as, as like a goodbye song to their guests. 
Lesser himself was known for his songwriting abilities, writing over 700 song lyrics, including the songs for Guys and Dolls and the classic Heart and Soul. Hey. Yeah. Very nice. When Lesser sold the song to MGM, his wife felt betrayed because it was their song. The tune was featured in the film Neptune's Daughter and won an Oscar. The song was always controversial, as some stations didn't want to air it, citing the lyrics as too risque. But ultimately, it climbed the charts and was a huge hit. Of course, it's impossible to talk about the song without mentioning the controversy surrounding it. It's important to understand that this controversy isn't new, and absolutely no one is allowed to tell someone else how a song makes them feel. At the time this song came out, a woman had to be the one to keep a man from getting very far. Her reputation was at stake. She was essentially not allowed to want sex. Some believe the song was actually liberating for women, depicting an unmarried woman who has gone home with a man for the evening. Every time he asks her to stay, she doesn't explicitly say that she doesn't want to, just that the other people will gossip about it. The most infamous line, what's in this drink, was meant to be a joke at the time, one that was actually used fairly often, essentially making an excuse to do something that they want to but really shouldn't do. In the original notes for the song, the woman was labeled as the mouse and the man as the wolf. Yikes. Yeah. (laughs) Which, of course, indicates a certain predatory nature that can be upsetting to think about. The choreography of the scene may also be troubling to modern viewers, as the female puts on her hat and coat and the man takes them off. Ooh, yeah. If she's not the one doing it, that is... Yeah. I I I could see why that could bring about some some feelings mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Although the song was certainly not intended to be about date rape, many listeners find the lyrics to be too lighthearted toward lack of consent between sexual partners. It doesn't matter what the intent of the song was. If it upsets you, it upsets you. Your feelings are valid, and no matter how you feel about the song, it's important to have these discussions about it. Yeah, it is an interesting look at the the way society saw consent in the 1940s. There's one line where she says, the answer is no. And when she says that, yeah. it doesn't matter why she's saying no. It doesn't matter that it's because of gossip. She said it. And it yeah. and that's it. I, I found it interesting because I've heard the song so, so many times, obviously. And... It was always just kind of a fun little thing. Like, it seemed like they were joking back and forth. But watching the clip from the movie, he seems way more eager about it. Yeah. Like, he's getting really close to her. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, like. It seemed like he was way more into it than she was. Yeah. For sure. Usually when we watch people perform this, it's in such a safe environment right they're on stage they're not sexual partners right no just separate they're on different chairs (laughs) you know they're like they're being he's not taking her hat off the choreography i have to say 
it's definitely clever. It's just upsetting because like yeah. she you know, she puts it on, he takes it off. And like that's just the whole dance, basically, you know? He keeps handing yeah. her the drink, she keeps putting it down. Even the coat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She puts yeah. on her and, coat and he takes off her coat too. Yeah. In the movie, it definitely doesn't seem like she does want to stay. But in the song, it's kind of, it could be. She could want to stay. But in the movie, it really doesn't seem like that. <laughs> right. And, and in a lot of modern versions of this song, it, it really is a lot more heavily implied on the like flirty nature of it, where it's kind of mutual. Yeah. But, yeah. but like we said, kind of you know, you want to, but you shouldn't kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so it, it's definitely important to talk about the song. Like you definitely, yeah. it's in, it's yeah. interesting discussion for sure. <laughs> so next on the list here, we've got Silver Bells from the Lemon Drop Kid from 1951. Well, no wonder they ain't chunking it in the way you're growling at them. Well, what's the matter? You told us to sing, didn't you? Saying, yeah, but to mention money at Christmas time is vulgar. You got to work on our sentiments. Be subtle, delicate. Silver Bells was written by Jay Livingston and Ray Evans, two songwriters that were coming to the end of their contracts with Paramount. They knew that another flop would be the end of their careers, and they were reluctant to write a Christmas song for this reason. Livingston has said that the inspiration was the bells rung by the Salvation Army in New York, but Evans has said that it was because of the bell that sat upon the desk that the two had shared. In the context of the movie, it is about the Salvation Army Bells. The Lemon Drop Kid stars Bob Hope as the title character as he tries to rapidly make $10,000 to appease an angry gangster, which sounds like (laughs) no fun at all. (laughs) The original name of the song was Tinkle Bells, but... (laughs) but luckily Livingston's wife heard the name, and informed them what comes to everyone's mind when they hear that word, tinkle. (laughs) Yeah. Tinkle bells. (laughs) Oh, man. It's Christmas time in my potty. Sorry. Oh, no. (laughs) See, now it's a children's children's song for learning to use the toilet. (laughs) The song was written specifically for the movie The Lemon Drop Kid, but when Bing Crosby heard about it, he managed to release the hit a year before the movie. Since Crosby managed to make the song popular, Bob Hope and Marilyn Maxwell had to reshoot this number to make it more central to the movie. Bing's version secured Livingston's and Evans's job as songwriters, since his version topped the charts and gave them a successful new Christmas song. Wow. If I were a songwriter yep. in this time period, I would send Bing Crosby every one of my Christmas songs. <laughs> Christmas songs, I would be absolutely. like, please, hey, Bing, have you heard this one? You yeah. want to sing this one for me? <laughs> like, everyone he touched was gold. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> or even or turn to gold. Oh. Yes. Oh. There are some really sweet lines in this song. You know, I always think about every time I go shopping at Christmas when they talk about um, as the shoppers walk home with their treasures. I always like that line. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, and that's sweet. It's like, it's just, I don't know, it's just a really sweet way to look at Christmas shopping because Christmas shopping is uh, the worst. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, they're walking home Terrible. with their treasures. Like, oh, how, what a nice way to like, look at that. Oh. Yeah, how sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a classic. <laughs> In the video with this, I just wanted to point out 
I find it funny how, I guess, crap his <laughs> Santa Claus costume is. Oh, like, yeah. At least the beard. <laughs> He's, it's just hanging off his face. It doesn't have like the mustache part, and it's, it's like, like ripped in the middle. Yes. Yeah, it's like, come on, man. You know, I have to say, I had no idea what this movie was about before I watched this clip, <laughs> and I could absolutely tell that he was just like taking that money for his own purposes. <laughs> right, right. He even went to the other Salvation Army Santas and was like, hey, you should be singing. We need money. And he's yeah. like... You got to do it with some class, though. Yeah. It was kind of funny, though, that that first one he talks to was singing about, hey, like, give us money already, for goodness <laughs> Like, you bunch of cheapskates. <laughs> it was kind of funny. So the next song on our list isn't really a big hit, but we still love it anyway. It's called Winter Was Warm from Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol in 1962. I think Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is available to watch on the Peacock streaming service. Uh In case anybody would like to watch that. Produced by UPA in the early 1960s, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is the oldest animated Christmas TV special. It's a musical filled with some wonderful Christmas tunes, but one of the most memorable was Winter Was Warm, sung by Belle, played by Jane Keene. Was it so long ago, that sleigh ride, the warm glow of happiness when you asked me? It was snowing, but we didn't notice. Lyrics are written by Bob Merrill and composed by Joel Stein. And although the song is not very well known today, we thought it was worth looking into for this episode. Winter Was Warm was often cut from the television run of Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol. Oh, boo. I know. They like to always cut the, the heart. I know. They always <laughs> want to cut Belle's song. This scene is the emotional anchor for the special. The melody plays throughout the score as well. So yeah, cutting it out really feels like the song is, you know, very integral part of the of the, th- the whole thing. And also Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol is very short. The fact they're cutting it at all is kind of weird to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much time do they really need to save? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> The lyrics are short but poignant, and I wrote out some of the lyrics here, so I'm going to read some of them to you. It seems as I recall, no blossoms fell that fall. May didn't leave at all, or did love paint an illusion. Now trees with a sigh stand and shiver while their dreams fall and die. And all my dreams are there, wrapped up somewhere in summer leaves. Oh, what I'd give to be in love again. Not bad. It's, it's like a poem when you read it out like that. Yeah. In this animated adaptation of A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, Mr. Magoo is an actor playing the part of Ebenezer Scrooge in a Broadway musical production of the novel. Later, Mr. Magoo played other famous literary characters, but this was the first. So Very nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I always love that in animation, um, <laughs> where the characters are playing other characters within their own universe. It's, it's funny, too. I also read that sometimes they cut that framing device from TV. To make what? it shorter? Come on. I know. Oh. That has to be even more confusing. You're like, wait yeah. a minute. Why is Mr. Magoo screwed? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Our next one is Christmas Time is Here from A Charlie Brown Christmas. Hey, hey. Yeah, this hey. one's a good one. The opening number for A Charlie Brown Christmas has become somewhat of a Christmas staple. Vince Guaraldi composed the somber jazz melody and producer Lee Mendelssohn decided it needed some lyrics. 
He wrote the joyful words in only a few minutes, creating a sort of bittersweet and contradictory song, perfect for Charlie Brown. It was specifically composed to open the movie and is sung by a group of children from a Bay Area church choir. In last year's episode about the special, we said it was Mendelssohn's son's sixth grade class. That information is apparently incorrect. We all make mistakes. Yeah. But hey, we're fixing it. The vocal version is just under three minutes, while the instrumental version is about six minutes. Yeah, this one, I always had a hard time kind of telling what they were saying. Yeah. I guess maybe because it's a choir and melded into the music, I... It was hard, always yeah. kind of hard for me to actually tell what they were saying, except for when they said, like, Christmas time is here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think, yeah, all you really need to know is Christmas time is here, happiness and cheer. <laughs> yes. I, I've always really liked this song, especially the the instrumental version, actually. A lot of the Charlie Brown Christmas music is great to listen to just on its own, too. But one thing I find interesting about this particular song is I don't know of very many covers of it. You know, it. Hmm. I'm sure they exist because, of course, they do. Yeah. But they're not, like, on the radio or they're not popular. big mainstream covers. Yeah, because really, when you hear this song, the first thing I think of, at least, is Charlie Brown. So I yeah. want to hear the Charlie Brown version, you know? I feel like it has to be children. It has to be a choir. It just doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't seem yeah. like it's gonna work if it's gonna be, you know, Michael Buble. Christmas time. <laughs> 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 uh, maybe maybe in another twenty or thirty years it'll they can get away with it. But I just the the song just doesn't feel yeah, it just doesn't feel right any yeah. other way. Yeah. I'm this is such a classic special and I think that it's something really to be said about the fact that it's never been remade. Yes. You know, I think that's really yes. special. That's real. You know what I mean? This was something that was so influential and it was, it spawned so many other holiday specials after it, but mm-hmm. it, it's amazing to me that no, you know, you think about the Grinch and how it's been remade twice now. Yeah. It's amazing that yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas hasn't been. Knock on wood. Don't give him any ideas. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> You can do another Charlie Brown Christmas time style thing if you want. Yeah, but sure. But don't remake the same one. Speaking of the Grinch, the <laughs> next one on here is You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, from How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The lyrics to this absolute classic were written by Theodore Geisel, or Dr. Seuss, with music done by Albert Haig. Seuss wasn't thrilled with the idea of the song in a special that he was already reluctant to do. He only said yes because he was war buddies with Chuck Jones. Yep. (laughs) Composer Albert Haig invited Seuss over and played him the music he had written for the special already. And Seuss was sold on the idea. Although the special was narrated by Boris Karloff, the song itself was sung by the incomparable Thurl Ravenscroft. Ravenscroft was a classic voice actor that played Tony the Tiger. Yeah. Yay. They said that specifically <laughs> when they when they wrote this song, it was so macabre. They said they've got to get a macabre voice to sing it. <laughs> yeah. And they were and right. It was 
Yeah, it was the perfect choice. Yeah. The song pops up three times within the TV holiday special. The song that we currently hear on the radio is a mashup of the three sections within it. The song has been covered many times, but most notably for the two subsequent versions of the story in 2000 and 2018 by Jim Carrey and Tyler, the creator, respectively. Yeah. I have to say, neither versions are as good as the Thrill Ravenscroft version, though I feel like the Jim Carrey version's pretty good. It's it's good because it's it's like fun, different, <laughs> creative. Like he like each verse is like a different style almost. It's associated with Christmas, but it's not a song necessarily about Christmas. Yeah. Which is interesting. All it is is about how much of a mean guy the Grinch is and how you don't want to be near him or be friends with him at all. Right. There's no word in the song about Christmas. There's no mention of it. It is literally just an anthem to how bad the Grinch is. Right. Mm-hmm. There's but no, it's so good the, anyway. Yeah. Oh, gosh, yes. This is a great <laughs> song. The next one we have here, and I personally feel like this hits hard now <laughs> this year. It's We Need a Little Christmas from Mame from 1974. Yeah. yeah. All out the holly. holly. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, this song is from Broadway, but we're including it because of how relatable it is to 2020. And it did appear in the 1974 film adaptation of the musical Mame. The film follows a young orphan who is sent to live with his closest relative, a freewheeling New York socialite named Mame, played by Lucille Ball. Yeah, in the movie, yes. Written by Jerry Herman, Angela Lansbury originally sang the song on Broadway. The musical takes place at the very beginning of the Depression, when Mame loses all her money in the stock market crash. Although it isn't customary to celebrate Christmas as early as they do, she decides they need Christmas to cheer up their spirits. The sentiment seemed to apply to 2020 as well, with Christmas lights and trees being set up before Thanksgiving, with much less pushback than usual. Sometimes, we need Christmas. Yeah, so this song... I feel like it's a little bit of an underappreciated Christmas song, but it's so relatable when you listen to it. You know, oh, she's yeah. like, let's just do it's time. It is time <laughs> to be happy, guys. Let's get out the stuff. Let's yep. hang it up. It it is I I am ready. I am ready <laughs> to be joyful again. And that's what the song is about. You know, she's being a little more forceful about it than in like have yourself a merry little Christmas. But this song, it is, it's something that I feel like a lot of people felt, you know, people were like, look, this is the worst year ever. If you want to put up your tree in October, <laughs> do it. We don't care. Because yeah. right. usually do everybody's <laughs> a little annoyed by the early Christmas celebrations. Yeah. Do what makes you happy. Do you, you know? <laughs> yep. If it's going right. to make you happy, just do it, you know? But yeah, I love, there's a line in the song where she says, uh, I've grown a little leaner, grown a little colder, grown a little sadder, grown a little older. And I, I, I love, I love that line. <laughs> she, she's like, yes. God, the, the years have not been kind to me <laughs> <laughs> and I need Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved it. And I especially paid attention to the line you talked about. Yep. It's kind of adulting. <laughs> <laughs> and 
with that, we're going to take a little quick break and listen to the promo for our new show that's coming soon, guys. Get excited and we will be right back. When we think about our favorite movies, what characters come to mind? Usually it's the charismatic lead, or the quirky best friend, or the maniacal villain. But what about the characters that pass through the story in relative obscurity? Sometimes they don't have names, and they may not even have dialogue. But even if these characters go largely unnoticed, their parts might have altered the course of the film. Through this show, we're uncovering the stories of these background heroes by assigning them identities. These are original stories about non-original characters, profiles on people you don't remember from the movies you'll never forget. And in the end, we'll seek to prove that screen time and number of lines are inconsequential. In all our favorite films, there are no small parts. So the next song on our list is one that we do hear pretty often on the radio, but I do think a lot of people don't know the origins of the song. So I'm really excited to talk about this one. I sure didn't. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> so this song is called Peace on Earth slash The Little Drummer Boy from Bing Crosby's Merry Old Christmas in 1977. Every year, you will find a Christmas special hosted by some celebrity. This is a tradition that dates back to the beginning of TV and will likely continue in the foreseeable future, even on streaming services. It happens. Back in 1977, Bing Crosby, the King of Christmas, recorded his last holiday special. Bing was in the twilight of his life, a living piece of music and film history. So it was strange for viewers when David Bowie, a hugely popular rock star, joined him on screen. Bing was classic, and Bowie was new age. When Bowie had arrived, he reportedly had to tone down his look in order to appear next to Bing, so that the scene would not be too jarring. (laughs) I believe that. (laughs) I think he had to take out his earrings and stuff, yeah. Yeah, I looked at some of the comments and it was kind of like, wow, like these two amazing artists that were so different together, like this is amazing. Yeah, it's a wonderful thing, it's a little magical. The song they were meant to sing was The Little Drummer Boy, and Bowie did not approve of it. He asked if he could sing something else. So three men that worked on the special, Ian Frazier, Buzz Cohen, and Larry Grossman, wrote another song in a little over an hour. The song was Peace on Earth, and the two performers perfected the performance before recording. Wow, that is crazy. Yes, in 75 minutes. I just want to paint a picture for you guys. (laughs) You are recording a special with... One of the most legendary singers of all time (laughs) and one of the most popular rock artists of his generation. Like you have two huge people and they're like, I don't want to do this. (laughs) Go write me a new song. (laughs) (laughs) And so they just go upstairs. You just go upstairs and in 75 minutes you turn out a new song for these two people to sing these two absolute legends yeah insane (laughs) i would have butterflies going all around in my stomach i would i'd be pretty upset yeah (laughs) oh god i cannot imagine 
Although producers were worried that the pairing wouldn't work out, the song is a perfect example of two worlds colliding. These two men couldn't be any more different, but if they could sing together, maybe anything is possible at Christmas. Bing Crosby passed away a month after the recording. When audiences saw the special in November of that year, he was already gone. Oh, wow. wow. Yep. It was interesting to read David Bowie's interviews about it. You know, he really, he felt it was still pretty ludicrous. (laughs) Uh, He only, yeah, he only really wanted to do it because his mom liked Bing Crosby. So he was like, fine. Oh, Oh, man. (laughs) Good on him, I guess. Yeah, these guys saw a new song and they were able to put it together and sing together like that. And it's really, honestly, like, it, I don't know. It is like magical watching it because they are so different and they're just these geniuses of music. And I mean, just so much talent and experience. And it's just really cool to watch it and then listening to it on the radio. And I always love at the end, you know, Bing says it's a pretty little thing, isn't it? That's what he says. So the next song on the list is another one that's a little more obscure, though I do think people have heard it. Walking in the Air from The Snowman in 1982. The Snowman is an animated short based on the wordless picture book by Raymond Briggs. It follows a young boy named James, who builds a man in the Christmas snow. The snowman comes to life and takes James on an adventure across the world. Composed and written by Howard Blake, Walking in the Air is a hauntingly beautiful song from the animated short. It was originally performed by a 13-year-old choir boy named Peter Autry. The song is so central to the half-hour special. I used to actually think that the short was the length of this song. I thought the whole thing wow. was, was oh. just this song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I was a kid. I remember watching this with my mom, thinking it was too short. I wished it was longer, actually. It perfectly captures the wonder of childhood, the magic of Christmas, and the sweeping sadness of growing up. Absolutely. It's it's really cool, because I, I had heard this song, but didn't know it was from this. So this is the first time I've actually heard this version of it. Oh. And I think it might be the best version of it, to be <laughs> fair. Haunting is the right word for it, because it, it it's unlike any other Christmas song or really any other song, yeah. for that matter. It, it's so unique, and it couples with this animation that is almost like being painted in front of you. Um, like I, I, I don't know how to explain it. Really, yeah. it, it, it's really, really unique and beautiful at the same time. So it, it it's you gotta, you gotta go check this one out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, at least, especially with the animation. It just, yeah. it. There's something about having the animation with with the music as well. Yeah. It's just so beautiful it's, together. The whole thing is really interesting because it, it there's no talking really in this short. I think there's a narration at the very beginning and then that's it. So the whole thing is basically acted out, just pantomime animation. You're just watching animation. I love the design of the snowman. It's absolutely, it's just like a picture book. It looks like you picked up a book and you opened it and the book just came to life. That's that's the way. That, that's yeah. it. That's the perfect way oh, to describe wow. it. Yeah. And I, I just, it's so cool. It, it's And it is a little, like, 
melancholy. There was a comment I saw on YouTube where someone was like, this just has to connect. I, I, I don't know how this song couldn't connect with you on a deeper level. Like there's just, there's mm-hmm. something about this song that we all understand. Next here on our list is Christmas Vacation from, of course, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation Yay! from 1989. <laughs> National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is one of those classic Christmas movies that we all have fond memories of seeing, even when we were children and it was inappropriate. That's true. <laughs> yes. This is one of those movies that your parents and their friends or your your aunts and uncles all watched and you probably should not have seen it, but they said, oh, this movie's rated R. Ah, it doesn't need to, that's, it's fine. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. We'll just tell them not to say the bad yep. words. <laughs> Each of the vacation films opens with the song Holiday Road, but this one had a specific song created just for the movie with some fun late 80s animation to go with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyone else think it's weird that at the beginning of this movie, a Santa Claus is like animated doing stuff, and then it's a live action <laughs> raunchy R rated comedy yeah. after that? <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little um, punch in the face. Yeah. Written and composed by husband and wife Barry Mann and Cynthia Wheel, the song was simply called Christmas Vacation. It was performed by R&B legend Mavis Staples. Yeah. This is a good song. I, I think this one is our first, like, real jam Christmas song, <laughs> you know? A lot of them, a lot of them are very, I tried to, like, Christmas songs fit in a category, yeah. right? And, and all of these ones that we've talked about so far kind of fit in that category, whereas this one is the first one that kind of goes outside of the box in terms of its actual music. Yes, right? exactly. Because it's a, it's a lot more rocking and, like... You know, it's not just, uh, it, it, like, it, say, a choir, if a choir sung it, it wouldn't really right, make sense. Right, right. <laughs> it's you a know? lot more of a Jingle Bell Rock than a White Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. A lot of these songs are kind of introspective and melancholy, and this is the one you're, like, kind of dancing around in your kitchen when you're cooking Christmas dinner and stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah. While the other ones, you're just kind of crying, but, like, by yourself with a glass of wine. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, they both have special places in our hearts and our traditions. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) So the next song on our list is very different from the last song from 1990. (laughs) This is Somewhere in My Memory from Home Alone. Yeah, this is it's not Christmas without this song. In 1990, John Williams scored the massively successful film Home Alone. The entire soundtrack is a masterpiece of Christmas warmth and nostalgia, with some exciting themes, like the one that plays while eight-year-old Kevin sets his traps. There are some really... I love the score for this movie. I think it's one of John Williams' best scores, actually. And I think that a lot of it is to do with the fact that it's... the movie itself has a lot of really relatable moments with relatives, brothers and sisters being late for stuff. The the scene where they're getting when they're late for the plane. Every year we'd watch that and my parents would say, that is us getting ready for church. 
every because it, it, the the music for that scene is absolutely perfect just how rushed everybody is and they're throwing on their coats and they're mm-hmm. you know throwing their bags in the car and stuff probably the most memorable song from the soundtrack is the beautiful piece somewhere in my memory with lyrics by leslie Bercuse. Bercuse is an oscar and grammy winning lyricist who has written songs for over 40 musicals, including the songs for Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971. What? Hey, that's cool. Yeah. Williams and Bricuse worked together again on Hook, writing songs like When You're Alone and We Don't Want to Grow Up. Dang. Actually, (laughs) and I found out that actually Hook was supposed to be a musical while researching this. Oh, wow. And they only kept in the song the little girl sings. Oh. And at the oh, beginning wow. of the of the musical of the beginning of the of the movie, the kids are performing a musical play and they're singing We Don't Wanna Grow Up. This song is not very old, but since it was released, it wouldn't be Christmas without it. From the opening bells to the soft choral performance, to the lyrics calling us back to our favorite Christmas memories, this song isn't just about Christmas, it is Christmas. It it really is. And, you know, a lot of people would say that about the movie itself, mm-hmm. too. So it's just a perfect match made in heaven. Yeah, this <laughs> this song, I mean, just when they say uh, feeling that gingerbread feeling, it's like even if you don't yeah. like gingerbread, you know exactly what they're talking about. It's such an abstract idea, but you're just you understand immediately what he what he means. Do do either of you happen to feel warm when they say that? Yeah. <laughs> I do. Because <laughs> I, yeah, it gives me a warm feeling. Yeah, it's amazing how words can do that. The song really just paints the scene of Christmas, candles in the window, and just the, the whole thing. Precious moments, yep. special people, happy faces. You know, it just it makes you think of every happy Christmas you've ever had, or at least every happy moment yeah. you've ever had. Next, we have All Alone on Christmas <laughs> from Home Alone 2 hey. from 1992. Back to back, baby. Yeah. Two years after the first Home Alone, Kevin got lost in New York. <laughs> oh, boy. This sequel came with many nods to the original, including Somewhere in My Memory, but it also had its fair share of new content. Yeah, there are some people out there who might argue that the second one is better. Yes. Some may. I don't know if I'm one of those people, but I am um... not one of those people either. I <laughs> I love Home Alone too, though. I really, really do. Yeah. I would say it's about on par with the first one. I would never say it's better than the first one. Mm. I've never seen it. So. What? Yeah. Tell me you're joking. You've Marcy. never seen the second Home Alone movie. I have. Never Marcia. Seen the second. Home Are you serious? Movie. There's no way. Well, Adam, don't spoil anything for her. All I know is he gets lost in New York, which I is apparently believe... hard to do when all the streets are numbered. Man, wow. Well, if you'd seen the movie, you'd get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he is a kid, so I under I get it. <laughs> I would be too. Oh my gosh, Marcy, I'm so jealous that you get to enjoy this movie for the first time. Yes. Maybe you'll like it more than the wait. first one. Who knows? Uh, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Written and composed by Stephen Van Zandt, this song was performed by not only Darlene Love, but with the East Street Band and the Miami Horns. Oh, yeah. 
Love's most famous song is Christmas, Baby Please Come Home. Many consider this song to be a spiritual sequel to that song. Yeah, I could see that. There is, I mean, that is a really, really popular song. That one's on all the Spotify playlists. It has a, it's a very similar vein. It sounds very similar to the, to the other song. It's close. Yeah. If you played them right back to back, you might even think it was one like long song. Yeah. 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 And this is another banger. Like a slight change. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is another exciting one that you want to dance to more than cry to. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) This playlist brings you through all the motions. Anyway, the next one on our list is Where Are You Christmas from the 2000 How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Yay! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like this one. Although a lot of people may recall Faith Hill's rendition, this song was created by Mariah Carey, Will Jennings, and James Horner for the 2000 How the Grinch Stole Christmas. The three reportedly wrote a longer version of the song, and Mariah Carey was supposed to record it. But according to People Magazine, Carey's ex-husband at Sony wouldn't allow her to sing a song for MCA Universal. Carey's official statement was that she didn't have time to record the song. That's bullshit. Okay. Um, First of all, ex- husband yeah what the hell what the hell hell say does he get (laughs) he was in whether or not she records this song yeah he was a producer at sony i think and right but and she had a contract with sony i think i I believe i believe that's what happened yeah all right yeah there was like a little bit of a legal battle bunch of malarkey well faith hill was a hugely popular country star coming off a big hit just a year before, so it made sense for her to perform the song. I believe her version was the one that was on the the album that came out around the same time as the movie, right? Yeah. So in, in the movie, seven-year-old Taylor Momsen as Cindy Lou Who performs the song. She does a really good job, too. Yeah. Yeah. I was reading an interview with her, and she said that she still still thinks about working with James Horner and how amazing that was. Yeah. Awesome. And in such a great movie too. <laughs> <laughs> I love this trend of of composers writing songs for the movie. I love that. Instead of I don't know, I think that's cool. I yeah, and in, in in when you think about it like this, you realize how good they are at it. Yeah. You know, they don't you you imagine them obviously being really good at writing the score and all that stuff and being able to hear multiple instruments and how they would work together in an orchestra or what or whatever. But turns out they're actually really great at just music in general, and they can write really good songs, too, with lyrics and all. It's fantastic. Being able to do both is really impressive. Which, continuing with How the Grinch Stole Christmas, we have Grinch feet Jim Carrey. So Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one is a bop. I think we need that mm-hmm. certified bop on here again. We need that certified bop sticker for this yes. one. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Using the original song written by Dr. Seuss and composed by Albert Haig, Jim Carrey and Busta Rhymes elaborated on and remixed this absolute banger for our enjoyment. Dude, my dad 
says that this is his favorite rap song. <laughs> yes. He oh listens he listens to this every Christmas. Oh my god. And it's the first track on the there's like two CDs for the Grinch. There's the beautiful mm-hmm. score and then there's mm-hmm. uh all of the all the covers and songs that were written by artists for the movie and this is track uh-huh. number 1. Oh my god, this song is good. Now, we admit this isn't one you might hear on the radio very often, but it's one of our favorites. In fact, Jim Carrey's Grinch was filled with a lot of interesting original Christmas songs and covers, and so we suggest you check them all out. More than anything, the album is a nice blast from the past. A snapshot of music from 2000. Yeah, there's some Smash Mouth on there, (laughs) some Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Our next one is Christmas is All Around from the movie Love Actually from 2003. The original song was, of course, called Love is All Around and was released by the UK band The Trogs in 1967. For the 1994 movie Four Weddings and a Funeral, songwriter Richard Curtis asked the Scottish band Wet, Wet, Wet to record a version of the song. I can't. No, my voice did not repeat over and over again. That, that, was, that was intentional. Wet, Wet, Wet. This version would become incredibly popular and hit the top of the musical charts in the UK. Years later, when Richard Curtis went on to direct Love Actually, he decided to bring back this song that so many people in 1994 had grown sick of for its pure popularity and how often it was played and make a funny version sung by Bill Nye's washed-up rock star character, Billy Mack. And it is, of course, called Christmas is All Around. So if you believe in Father Christmas, children, like your Uncle Billy does, buy my festering turd of a record. I love it so much. This is such a good joke. And just the idea that he wrote the song, the guy who wrote the song... is directing the movie and he's like I'm going to okay so here's this washed up songwriter character I'm going to have him <laughs> try to redo the song but make it a christmas song in a pathetic attempt to be relevant again and I I mean wonderful that is a that is a class A joke that is really good yeah <laughs> okay so we're going to wrap this up a little bit here at the end, but I thought we would just highlight all of the songs from the movie Anna and the Apocalypse. Though only a couple songs on the soundtrack are explicitly Christmas-themed, songs featured in a holiday movie certainly count as, a, as Christmas songs to us. Anna and the Apocalypse is a zombie musical. Yes. We actually asked our friend and patron, JD, you mentioned him at the very beginning of this episode, for his favorite songs from the film, and he suggested the songs Turning My Life Around and Hollywood Ending. The songs were written by Roddy Hart and Tommy Riley, as the film's teenage characters face a zombie apocalypse at Christmas. The film is streaming on Hulu and Prime Video, and we suggest you check it out. Nice. Yes. Yeah. So you can, you can actually watch this one. So it Woo. it's very interesting. It's a musical zombie Christmas movie. Very odd, very rare, probably 
probably I actually found an article saying that it's the best movie Christmas movie for 2020. <laughs> so, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. Got lots of kids in it coming to terms with the end of the world. That would be rough, especially at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So, it's pretty and I love they've got candy canes they kill zombies with and it's a good nice. time. Sounds like fun. Yeah. Yes. So, woo, that was a long it. list. Oh, yeah. That it was. My goodness. I feel like we covered, like, everything. <laughs> so, Cassettes, thanks thanks again for joining us this Christmas season and for our two-year anniversary. Yay. It was a Thank blast. you so much. Yes. Thank Yay. you, guys. Be on the lookout for the first episode of our new monthly show premiering on December 24th. Yes, Christmas Eve. Yes, we are so excited to release this one. Yeah, and it's going to be on its own feed. It's going to have a new feed for it. So we're not going to be, don't look for those episodes on this You have to go subscribe to that one. (laughs) Yes. Yes, no small parts. Yes, we will link to it. You you shall find yes. it. Also, if you want to check out an, about an extended version of this episode, you can check out our Patreon. We'll have a little bit of extras, some more yeah. some more yeah. songs some for movies. Some extra information for you on that. Yes. Yeah. Want other ones that we liked or that you may recognize and not realize that they were from a movie. Yeah. And I think that's another case closed. <laughs> I think we kind of got it that time. Also, it's always tricky with when we're recording remotely, doing the class. Yes. It's yes. Yep. it's always hard. I I have to admit, sometimes I just take each individual track and I line them up. Oh. <laughs> but Aww. only but only for these these recordings. When we do it in studio, I never alter it. So yes, because yep. well, you never need to. I never need to. <laughs> We're always perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we are. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys, and you check us out on our website. I almost forgot blackcasediaries.com. Yeah. You can find everything there that you need. Yes. And Piece of cake. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. See ya.